Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Read Only Access. Welcome to Read Only Access, a technology podcast exploring the Microsoft Cloud and modern workplace. And now here is your host, Harry Reid. Today we have a very exciting guest joining us on the podcast, Uh, but before I introduce him, um, it's been a very special week for for CORE this week. This week marks CORE's 30th anniversary, uh, which is an exceptional milestone for the company. You know, without further ado, today's guest. And with CORE passing such a big milestone, it's only fitting that we uh, bring on the show someone who's been there since the start. Um, And actually, we can do one even better than that. Uh, Today's guest is Connor Kalnan, who is CEO and founder of CORE. Um, Welcome, Connor. Thanks, Harry. (laughs) Um, so, uh, Connor, I've got a couple of questions lined up um, that I'd like to throw at you. But before we sort of dive into those, um, I'd really like to um, get a little bit of a background about yourself and sort of how Core began. Um, you know, how did how did it all start? Uh, basically, I went to college after school to study programming. Uh, I got a job in a company. Uh, writing software on uh, COBOL kicks, if anybody remembers those days. Um, and uh, while I was at that organization uh, working for them, uh, they bought a PC and I actually started developing then in COBOL on PCs. And that's really where my career started. I then went on to learn C. From there, I got an opportunity to move to the UK, uh, moved to the UK and uh, luckily enough started an insurance company that wanted to start a, a technology company. And I, I got the chance to uh, to be part of that team. And that's Excellent. really where core started. Excellent, good stuff. And uh, the rest is the rest is history, I guess. Um, so 30 years, um, that's quite a milestone for core. Um, and it's a, a testament to uh, to your vision and leadership. Um, you must have seen a lot of changes in the industry over the past few decades. Um, so what are some of the most notable uh, techn- technological transformations that you've seen um, and how have they impacted core's acro- uh, approach? So, you know, how, how have we sort of developed along with technology? For, for me personally, the launch of the personal computer was, was a, a very big one for me. As a programmer, I, I got to move away from submitting lines of code, waiting 24 hours for code to come back to being a, a much more iterative process of developing code quickly, compiling it, testing it all in the same hour or even hours, rather than waiting 24 hours for your code to come back. So for me personally, that was great and very exciting. Uh, I really loved that. Then the launch of the Mac that came along after that with Mm -hmm. with its kind of Windows type interface. And then finally the launch of of obviously Windows itself from uh, from Microsoft. Mm -hmm. They were really uh, mind blowing moments for myself personally. I think in terms of the total industry, uh, uh, you know, the launch, clearly the launch of the internet and also mobile phones, probably the, the three three big ones. So the launch of the personal computer, the launch of the internet, and the launch of mobile phones really uh, are, are the major technology events that have taken place in in uh, in in, the, in those thirty years. Yeah, and um, you know how have they had a sort of impact on the way that the way that we've approached things? I mean, I guess at, as we stand at the moment, we're we're a very flexible organisation. Um, we do a lot of a lot of work with a range of different customers um, in a range of different industries. So we're constantly coming up uh, against different challenges. But when something big like you know the introduction of mobile devo- devices or the personal computer um, comes out, how does that sort of, from a business point of view, how does that impact how you then look to the future for core? 
I've always seen computing. I mean, like most people my age, we accidentally fell into computing. It wasn't really something you studied for in those days. I mean, mm. you did study for programming, but we, it wasn't something we would have picked out at school to go and do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just happened to have a P, um, an Atari myself, and, and that's really what started me off on it. Mm-hmm. So again, most people were hobbyists and fell into it, and that's really, uh, and it's that 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 ability and want to play with new technology, to understand it, and then to apply it to a, particularly to a business scenario is, is really what's driven me. And so yeah. the launch of any new technology, whether it's the personal computer whether it's cloud, whether it was the mobile phone, whether it was the internet, always excited me about how we could leverage that in a business scenario to, to gain competitive advantage for that business. Mm-hmm. And that's really the, the exciting bit of, of the last 30 years. And the speed of change is is even faster now than at any time I've seen it in, in, uh, in technology. Yeah, I mean, so you're the kind of person when, when they bring out a new piece of technology, you just sort of can't wait to get your hands on it and have a bit of a mess around with it. In 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 some respects, that's waned a little over the years, as, as my ability to adopt technology and, and the amount of technology out there um, uh, has has multiplied many fold. Mm. But I, I do like to pick particular technologies, emerging mm. technologies, and really get in under the skin of them, mm. and, and place you know the company play tries to be selective in the bets it places. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and try and pick the winners. You don't always pick the winners, clearly, yeah. but. Yeah. Uh, but we have, with the, particularly with our partnership with Microsoft, been able to pick a lot of good winners in, in yeah. those 30 years. Yeah, excellent. Um, so uh, successfully navigating a business across across 30 years um, has probably brought about a, a raft of changes. What are your particular highlights and best moments over the past 30 years? I think proudest achievements are, are surviving three major recessions, and and now of course we're now did, into our. Did fourth. you? I was going to say. I was going to say. We're now into our fourth one. one. So yeah. so so I, I I think that for any technology company uh, um, that is that is a fantastic achievement. Um, mm. uh, most technology companies are uh, can find it very very difficult when when uh, at, at these moments in uh, at recession times you really find out. I mean, there is a famous picture of a, of a boat stranded on a on a rock as the tide rolls out. Well, when the tide rolls out, that's a recession, mm. and and you really find out what your boat is made up of, where you parked it, mm. when the tide rolls out. Yeah. And and we have we have been successful in 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 being able to navigate three, and I'm I'm sure I've no doubt we'll navigate this one too. Yeah, excellent. Um, so uh, moving on to uh, yourself and your sort of day to day day to day life. Um, what does a typical day at core look like for you? Um, I prefer to talk about a typical week if, that, if that's easier. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 uh, so I, I try and typically spend about 20% of my time with customers, talking to customers, or engaged in, in items relating to customers. Mm-hmm. Um, I then try and spend about, and again, about 20% of my time on the SMT type activities and, and employees, so talking to employees, engaging with them, finding out what's going on, listening to how we can help or, or improve what we're doing. And then obviously working with the SMT. I'm, I'm lucky to have a very strong SMT, um, uh, so they don't need much guidance or direction from me. Um, but I do like talking to them and working with them on specific problems, so, so that's good. Mm-hmm. And then spend about another 20% of my time on, on strategy and, and my own personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, and the remaining 40% is, is meet, meetings, routine activities, and, and just reacting to events that, that, that happen in, a, in any particular week, mm-hmm. um, uh, like, like in any business. Yeah. So that's really how I spend uh, typically my, 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 uh, my week. Mm-hmm. And um, 
being the CEO of, of an SME, um, do you think that allows you to spend a bit of time, a bit more time than probably uh, with large organizations, spend a bit more time with customers? Uh, I mean, how 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 much time do you get during an average working week to to interact with with the customers at core? I, 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 again, as I said, I try and spend a, roughly around a day a week mm-hmm. talking to customers, listening to customers, whether that's uh, it's not just customers, it's also potential customers. Mm-hmm. So really engaging with them and engaging with my network to understand what the challenges are, whether whether we have technology solutions for those challenges, what they think the future is going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's a really enjoyable part because my, my brain is, is, is suited to sorting problems. It always mm-hmm. wants to fix a problem <laughs> and it always believes. Well, I don't believe technology is always the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly believe technology and, and people and processes are the key component of solving any, any challenge yeah. or transforming any challenge. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned um, uh, building a strong SMT, so a, a strong group of, of individuals around you to help you manage the business. Um, just from my own sort of particular point of curiosity, when a new piece of technology gets released by Microsoft, what's the kind of process? What what kind of initial conversations do the SMT have? Like how how do Core navigate that initial release of a, a new piece of technology? So it, it, so we we have a set program and, and a way we adopt new technology. Mm-hmm. So primarily, what, what what we're doing at the moment is 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 reacting to new adoptions of existing technology. Mm-hmm. So in particular, Microsoft Cloud Azure. So they're they're the, the adoption of the changes that go on in that environment are mm-hmm. built into the teams already that support mm-hmm. those environments. Yeah. So that no SMT involvement is needed on that on that side. That's just a constant education, testing and deploying uh, for, for those existing teams mm-hmm. on on new technology like AI or, or, or BI or those type of technology. If we're mm-hmm. going to adopt them, then there's quite a, a quite a heavy investment made by core. We generally invest at least two people for a six to 12 month period of time wow. to investigate the technology, understand the technology and design the products that we need and fulfill what we believe will be the needs of the customers. We, we generally always try and find a couple of customers as well to work with mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. So that we're actually bringing to market something that's been tested and, and deployed at a customer. So it's a major investment when, when it's a new technology. Yeah. Um, uh, but but on on existing technologies that we already have within the business, then that's just a constant. The teams are constantly learning, constantly improving, and constantly adopting the new features as the, as they're rolled out in those technologies. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so uh, over the um, over the thirty years. Um, what would you say has has been Core's biggest achievement? I mean, you mentioned um, surviving um, three and and you know probably about to be a fourth uh, a fourth recession. Um, is there any particular um, one incident that stands out as a as a big achievement for Core for you? Um, not really. Thirty years is a long time, <laughs> as, you, as you can imagine. I guess breaking a million pounds, breaking five million pounds turnover. Yeah. Those kind of those kind of events are nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, again, breaking 50 employees, breaking 10 employees and 50 employees and so on, those events are, 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 are very significant in, in the life of the business. Mm-hmm. I think probably in recent times, it's when we broke 50% uh, recurring revenue. Yeah. That to me told me we, we had made the, the big, the big uh, switch from a, a professional services-based business to a uh, recurring revenue or managed services-based business. Mm-hmm. And that really probably is the, is the biggest achievement and the one that will guarantee our survival in this recession. So, mm-hmm. 
So it's really the the sort of the key moments that signify a next step in in cause development that that you kind of look back on with with pride on uh, I guess breaking the 50 mark and that the 10 you the 10 uh, member of staff mark and the then the 50 kind of signifies a bit of growth there would you say that the 50 percent recurring revenue mark indicates a, a kind of self-sufficient um, stability around core it it gets away from so from the old world of professional services it gets away from having to refill your basket every month to refilling your basket every year mm-hmm. so so you can be a lot more strategic in what you do mm-hmm. and not not as tactical so yeah so from that perspective it gives stability it gives guarantee you can make investments more clearly so investing in new technology is not as difficult when you know for the next 2 3 years you have x amount of customers unless you significantly mess up on them yeah you have X amount of customers and X amount of revenue. So that gives you a clear runway to invest yeah. for the next series of growth. Whereas if you're a project-based business, generally generally you'll see, you know, maybe 20% of 20, 30% of that is 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 recurring support type revenue. But uh, um, you will see that that your ability to invest is is you're more reticent to invest um, simply because there's a longer time to pay off. And all you can see is three months ahead of of uh, of project revenue. So mm. Excellent. Um, so if we move on to on, on to uh, next question, it's probably a, a little bit of a, a different subject. Um, it's around the sort of subject of, of partnerships and um, Core have got a number of partnerships with with some uh, industry leading solutions. So, um, you know, uh, we, we've already mentioned Microsoft and, and the work we do with with Microsoft. Um, how do you align with a partner uh, and why are they valuable to the service that we provide? So, I mean, you know, I'm thinking the likes of of Quest here and uh, and the LS, the big LSPs like Bytes and Softcat. Again, for for, diff, for different reasons, you engage with different partners. So, Microsoft has been our number one partner throughout those 30 years. There's, yeah. there's no two ways uh, of looking at it other than uh, than Microsoft have been one of the strong drivers. Their growth has has helped drive our growth. So mm-hmm. we've we've attached ourselves to Microsoft and, and ridden the Microsoft waves as, as they've arrived and, and and grown on the back of them. So for three decades, Microsoft has been our absolute number one partner. Mm-hmm. With Microsoft, we engage early in their product development life cycle. So we get onto their TAP programs, et cetera, to understand where the technology fits, how, how we see it fitting, and we engage with a lot of their sales team. So our engagement is across the board with the likes of Microsoft. With the likes of Quest, it's it's about technology solutions that fill gaps that are that are gaps either in the Microsoft portfolio or, or gaps in, in in other parts of our portfolio to fill them. Uh, the bytes and and, and and LSP type relationships, that's more about uh, getting uh, reach across yeah. a, a wider customer base um, mm-hmm. that we just don't have. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a small SME organization. So engaging with them to help support them as they sell Microsoft licenses or Adobe licenses, et cetera, to, to customers, we can then sell our services on, on the back of uh, on the back of those. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, you mentioned um, a little bit about Microsoft's kind of um, vision and the way the way they take their technology stack there. Um, when Microsoft are about to release something new, um, a core a tier one tier one Microsoft partner, as we know, um, number of great benefits that come with that. So you're saying we we sort of get to to test and and have a look at what Microsoft. Uh, not not only that, that we, not, on, 
not only that, we they're called technical tap programs. So so we're actually influence and and design and help them design the product to fit what we believe is needed by the market. So it's not just us. There's a number of partners engaged in these programs, mm-hmm. but we get to heavily influence the end result of what they're doing, and that's across the Office 365 stack. Mm-hmm. And there's one very exciting one we're engaged in uh, at this moment in time, which unfortunately NDA, so I can't talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah. It is. It is. It is a fantastic new piece of what they're producing in the uh, in the Office 365 space that will really, really accelerate what we can do and 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 what we can run uh, as an MSP. Mm-hmm. So, so we're very keen on that one. Excellent. And how do you how do you think getting that sort of advanced knowledge and being part of that creative process with Microsoft helps our our managed service customers? I mean, we we must be able to kind of provide a lot of insight that they wouldn't get with other partners about the direction of travel and help them sort of roadmap their solutions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Microsoft for for quite a while kind of kind of ignore the MSP market, mm-hmm. uh, um, but now. They, they realize and see the value in the MSP market and now want to deliver products that are more, much more tailored towards MSPs like ourselves. So again, they're, they're working with MSPs like us to produce those products now. Excellent. Um, so we've spoken a, a little bit about partnerships, um, uh, technology and, and sort of cause journey so far. Um, and a, a key a key uh, facet of, of cause um continued growth and longevity as, a, as an organization um, is really, I, I personally think, our values. Um, and, you know, cause values are a very important part of the business. Uh, I know it's something that's that's very, um, very personal to yourself as, as the CEO. Um, what do you think is important? Um, you know, why do you think it's important for a business to have to have values uh, and why are they important to you? To me, it's really simple. Values are permanent. Uh, while mm-hmm. technology changes all the time, it's it's really that simple. So, mm-hmm. and and that is what has helped us navigate, you know, three recessions, heading into our fourth, continue to grow. I think without without the without the values, what 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 are you really as an organisation? You're just a collection of people. Mm-hmm. So I think the values are very important to 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 making it understood as to to what type of behaviours you expect in an organisation, what type of behaviours you expect towards your clients, to to people themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think without that, you you really can't. You, you will struggle, I, I believe, anyway, to to convince people to stay with you for you for for the journey. And and values, really, if you hire people with your values, mm-hmm. um, then then they will work in an organisation where they will feel much more valued, where they will feel there are people sim- with similar goals, similar similar aspirations to themselves, and that really helps broaden the team. Whereas if you have people with completely competing values, you end up in an organisation that that is. Uh, that is being not... pulled in different directions. Exactly. I guess. Yeah. Um, if I could put you on the spot, um, is there a particular value that's that's closest to your heart? Is there one that you sort of favour over all the others? Yeah, the, the one core one is is my favourite one because yeah, one of the key challenges of most organisations is getting into into departments working uh, collectively together as as one team and that's really is and if you can solve that and and make that seamless and simple so that the trust builds up between those departments and they're able to work 
closely and, qu and quickly and easily together understanding each other then you really gain massive massive efficiencies because otherwise everything just get, gets escalated mm -hmm. and escalations are the one thing that burns smt and senior yeah. people's times yeah. so if people can, can work together that one core value to me is, is 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 the most important the other values will stream from that but if you can get people trusting each other working together wanting to work together driving in the same direction on the same goal with the same values then uh, then you really you really do make an efficient organization sort of wish I'd saved that one to the end that was that was that was a lovely uh, lovely little response there that would have been a nice uh, but that to the that, end that, yeah I was going to say that would have been a nice a nice point to end on unfortunately we're going to dive back in with another another question how do you think uh, the working landscape as you know, you've known it um, has changed over the past three decades and uh, you know is this is this going to be one of those big sort of industry uh, industry events that changes the landscape of of IT Remote working has has been growing and growing. I think the, the current crisis has just massively accelerated that. You know, remote working. Many companies have, have had to gain very valuable experience immediately yeah. uh, um, by by uh, getting the company to work. And I think they're finding they're finding that oh, wow, it actually works. Mm -hmm. So uh, this the company's still here. The company's still working. The company's still able to do what it needs to do. And I think that that's the cultural change piece that was missing mm -hmm. to accelerate the the, the adoption of uh, remote working. I think we're there now. I think the remote workers themselves, I'm sure they're enjoying the better work-life balance that it brings. I think the lower travel costs, the less stress of traveling, I mean, traveling on the rush hour in London is yeah, just, absolutely. It can be a, an awful experience at times. Mm -hmm. So, so I think, so it's going to be very hard for, for organizations to push people back into offices. I, I, I think, um, I think there's also, uh, I feel sorry for any of those organizations that had uh, invested heavily in DOR facilities. Mm. <laughs> so again, you know, that's a dead investment. Maybe they can take that, that investment and now start applying that money that was spent on those DOR pieces into improving the technology for home workers. Mm -hmm. I think I, I cannot see this going backwards from, I mean, it won't be at hundred percent it is right now. Yeah. But, uh, I can definitely see a, a, a new situation Everywhere people will now be looking at their what offices they have, not just to to because of the government restrictions that will come in, but they will only be in place for a period of time. Mm -hmm. um, everybody will be looking at their office portfolio, going, "Have we got the right style of office, the right type of office? Do we need mm -hmm. all this office space?" Mm -hmm. And 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 I I believe there'll be a bigger switch to hot desking and and more meeting room type offices instead of the large offices which you know four or five hundred desks in them mm -hmm. i think it'll be a big beer switch to meeting meeting rooms meeting areas and uh, and some hot desking uh, facilities yeah. a lot of organizations again i think also that it will also change people's mindset on where they hire people which i think is is one that probably a lot of people haven't really thought about mm -hmm. if, well, we've, if we've got people we've got people based in you know our, our um head crm architect crm mvp is based in york um we've got our head cni architect in up in middlesbrough no it's not um, it's not uncommon for technology companies to, to be like that that's not mm -hmm. uncommon but mm -hmm. I, I think for for, for uh, many organizations outside of it it is uncommon to have senior technical uh, uh people uh, very remote from the office 
Um, and I just I, I think that that will open up opportunities, particularly with the government's drive to to spread to spread up north, take some of the London, not take some of the London economy, but try and grow. I think that the benefits will be a lot of people will now be could possibly now be able to move further up north, have mm-hmm. a, a better quality of life and a nicer, uh, uh, nicer standard of living and, and, and work remotely. Only come to London once, twice, three times a month. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that will, that will be could be a dramatic change that that could come out of this for all industries. Mm-hmm. That is already there in the IT industry simply because of the dirt of talent. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there is in in IT. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think for other organisations, it will also mean that they will look beyond the the, the traditional boundaries of of the country of the UK, mm-hmm. which which is might be more interesting um, or sorry certainly more difficult for organisations. Mm-hmm. So if we if we look at that uh, on a sort of more personal to core note, um, you know, I mean, we have a um, we have a fairly large central London office space. How do you see that changing for core? You know, I mean, we do you see an office space as um, somewhere to meet customers somewhere where we can we can show customers our sort of managed service facilities? What what do you see that what's the nature of the office for core? Uh, you you absolutely need a presence and you need a place for people to meet, both both customers, suppliers, uh, and and just employees to meet. So you absolutely need a place and you need a place to to build your brand and and, and build mm-hmm. your values. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite hard to build those values on on just uh, just remotely on on uh, on calls. You you can do it, of course, but mm-hmm. but you still need. But as I said earlier, I, I believe. The office, the offices of the future, particularly for organisations like us, will have way more meeting rooms and way less desks. Mm-hmm. Is probably the best way I can yeah. put it. Yeah. Um, and and people will be much less frequently in the office. Mm. I think I think for me, I think one of the one of the important parts of an office for me, and you know, I I like to be in the office as much as I can. I I I enjoy being around other people. I'm I'm much more kind of socially inclined that way um and i used to have a lot of conversations with uh people that i didn't necessarily work directly with um you know just through bumping into them being in the kitchen that side of things has kind of it's kind of gone away a little bit um a little bit for me unfortunately because if i'm if i'm not direct you know it was one of those kind of chance meetings um do you yeah, think water cooler a, moments. Yeah. yeah, yeah, water cooler moments. Very, very, very yeah. hard. Very hard to replicate. And, yeah, and, and even harder when social distancing has to be put in place as well. So, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, 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 there isn't. I can't. I don't have a technology solve for the water cooler issue other than social events. Yeah, social events, uh, um, either team by team or cross team or or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It it is you are it is a very important point you raised though and a very hard one to solve. But if, mm-hmm. if anyone has ideas, I'd love to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I'd love to try them out. But definitely, yeah. post post lockdown when when life is easier, I think the social events are going to be much more important in in a yeah. company's uh, um, in a in a in in the in fabric of, calendar, of an organisation yeah. yeah. because people are so remote, you know, and I. I've, you know, we we currently meet all, all have an all hands meeting every six months. Mm-hmm. That may may well need to turn into a a different type of different type of event. So, mm. so mm. much more uh, less broadcast to people and much more a social event 
yeah. sorry, some broadcasting followed by a social event followed by something else. So. Yeah, and I think we mentioned earlier, it's, I, I don't think it's necessarily full-time home working every single day of the year. I think it's probably supplementing your working life with a few days at home and a, and a couple of days in the office to, to provide a bit of balance there. But, um, but I still believe the number of people in the office will still be much lower. Yes. So, yeah. so those chance interactions that you're talking about mm. are even are even less likely it's less yeah. likely that the same person that you haven't spoken to or haven't met in the company is in the office the same day you're in the office mm. for that one or two days mm. a month or a week so so i just think that's that's going to become less and less and, yeah. and, and but you raise a very important point that that uh, how, how do you how do you create recreate those cooler moments or those kitchen moments mm. i think the cross-departmental social you know remote socials is quite a good idea um okay so we're we're just about um uh running out of time for for today's podcast but um i wanted to finish on uh and this isn't you know this is again i'm gonna sort of put you on the spot a little bit but um i wanted to finish on a note that looks towards the future um so if i could just ask one more question um what are your hopes for core for the future um you know how do you see the next sort of 10 years and what would success look like to you wow <laughs> yeah definitely put me on the spot <laughs> well 10 years i hope to be retired mate so, so there, there's clue number one um success for me would be to continue the growth of core i mean i i, I don't want to talk about success in in raw numbers but it would be you know in 10 years we, we should have easily have doubled doubled mm-hmm. in size within, within that period if not even substantially more i would have thought mm-hmm. um I try and we we have a three-year plan and and again we're only we're into year one of a very disrupted year of that three-year plan so so uh you know 10 years is an awful long time i've yeah. done three i've done three sets of 10. <laughs> um i'm not sure i'll make four sets of 10 so um well, you know, I, I would i would like to I, I would like to see core continue to grow um uh, which which i'm sure it will we have a great yeah. team in place uh the services we're offering are becoming more in demand mm-hmm. um we're, we're in a great spot with the technology. We do an excellent job for our customers. Our renewal rates are high. So, and we have, um, we have a, a, great, a great future ahead of us. Um, mm-hmm. So I would, I would just see us continue to grow and continue to expand uh, the services that we offer, but, but again, keeping to our core values and, and uh, delivering on them. Excellent. Um, well, thank you very much for, for joining me today, Connor. Um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Um, if you'd like to uh, learn more uh, about CORE's uh, 30 years and our 30th year uh, anniversary, um, there is a press release on our website, which is core.co.uk, um, with comments and uh, and content from our SMT. Um, if you want to contact me directly, my email address, as always, harry.read at core.co.uk you can contact me directly or through the website Um, and for any questions or or content um, please feel free to get in touch Uh, thank you very much for joining us again and hope to uh, hope to get back to normal soon thank you for more information about any of the topics of our podcast please visit www.core.co.uk thank you for listening